Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Welcome to the WSO Weekly Wrap-Up, where I talk with my team about the five most trending discussions in the Wall Street Oasis community. Enjoy. All right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Weekly Wrap-Up. Uh, we have, I think, three topics today. Matt, you can get us started, and uh, we'll go from there. Sure. First topic on the forums this week I found uh, very fascinating. Uh, around compensation in the investment banking realm, the question being posed, what does a single guy or girl do as an investment banking analyst with all the money that you're making? Some of the funny responses that I saw on the forum were, is one, Pat, you, I think you'll enjoy a lot. Someone screaming Tesla, so dumping uh, dumping those big bonuses at Tesla quarterly or or, buy or, buy, or buying a Tesla, I don't know. Or buying a- or, or buying a Tesla. I was I was thinking, giving them the benefit of the doubt, hoping it was Tesla stock versus a depreciating car. Yes. Um, but some of the other funny suggestions of what to do with the money or what people have done with their money blew their internship money on luxury hotels, um, getting burned buying the dip the past year, um, or losing it all in sports betting. So uh, I know that we've had these conversations a few times uh, around just the amount of money IB analysts are making, uh, you know, in 2022, 2023, especially when compared to when you were a, an analyst. So, um, you know, albeit funny suggestions aside, what's your your best recommendation on what, you know, an analyst should be doing with their money? Um, you know, if someone's making yeah. upwards of 150 grand coming first year out of school, what are some best uh, best practices and tips you well, should? Uh, if you're in New York, they won't feel that that wealthy until the bonus hits um if you're living off your base actually well base salary is high enough where you probably are stacking some unless you're like living by yourself in like a one-bedroom apartment or something and spending like five grand on rent but if you're spending like say two to three grand on rent you know you have a few or like two-ish on rent and you have a couple roommates to make it feasible you know make it so it's not insane um yeah, you should be able to live off your base. That's the way we say, live off your base, bank your bonus. That's what a lot of people say. Um, and then maybe like if you if it's a good year, you give yourself a little bit of a, a gift on the bonus side. Um, but if it's if buying buying an actual like Model 3, a Tesla or something, that kind of, seems kind of crazy, especially if you're in any sort of city. <laughs> seems like a big waste of money. Um, yeah, and I wouldn't, I definitely wouldn't YOLO into into X, XLF like one of our members said. Um, you know, buying buying calls for next week that are expiring next week. <laughs> That's just gambling. You're just gambling um, at this point, um, hoping things uh, hoping things turn out right. So, um, yeah, Nabil, what do you think? No, I think same. I mean, save a little, enjoy a little. Yeah. yeah, I mean, in hindsight, it's easy to say that though. Like when you're in the thing, you tend to end up overspending or whatever, and then yeah, in hindsight, well, oh, where did all that money go? And then. That's when you realize, like, yeah, you should have probably saved a little more uh, in that time. So, yeah, <laughs> that's usually it's, what happens. It's but interesting because yeah, I find, like, the investment banking or even just, like, the high finance careers in general, there is almost, like, that flexing mentality that exists in more so than I find in other um, careers, so to speak. So um, I guess the main thing is try to avoid that that 
quote unquote lifestyle creep that comes, I guess, as an investment bank analyst. You know, don't let the ego go too high to your head. Don't be splurging on those Gucci loafers and, and Hermes ties. Oh man, um, we had people at Rothschild. We had an associate that was just the same loud guy I was talking about last week who was like crazy. He was living back in this is like 03. Okay. This is like 2003. He was living in like, I think he had one other person he was living in, but it was like a two bedroom, a three bedroom, like beautiful, huge. It was like at the time, you know, six grand or seven grand a month, which is like the equivalent of like a $12,000 a month apartment nowadays, yeah. right? Yeah. So, like, say 12000 a month apartment, <laughs> like on an associate base, he's making decent money, right? But like, he would be. You know, the rumors were here like he he partied so hard and he had so much debt that like if he didn't get that bonus he'd be like <laughs> like a big bonus so he was filing for bankruptcy like, on a personal I need level. I need like three hundred thousand at least for my bonus or like da 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 like I think he would just rack up his credit card and just go nuts and just be partying hard on weekends you know going to clubs and spending on bottles and yeah. you know going out to dinner spending thousands like. On a given night. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if social media was as prevalent as it was back then? I mean, sorry, as now as it, uh, and, and yeah. applying that back then, this guy probably would have definitely ran himself broke if he didn't. <laughs> um, just given yeah. you know, the the flexing mentality now that social media provides um, makes it even worse. Or, yeah, yeah, it makes it even worse, right? So that's why I mean, a question I had for you specifically was, you know, that was this flexing mentality always um, around in IB? Then I thought to myself, I think. It was um, probably got a little bit more amplified now, especially on the junior level coming in to, to have that. Flex. I think it's always, I mean, dude, there's, there's videos back from like, I think like well, 15 years ago, AJ, you remember AJ? Do you, have you ever no. seen that video? There's people who like, he's like in his poor, she's like, yeah. yeah so, so there's guys who create videos like. But was it always being done on the analyst level? I think that might be something that's different where the flexing took place, but probably associate VP when you were you know, making the big money. But now when Alice are getting paid pretty sizable, though, like is the flexing still as common? Is, it's right? not like, that common. People know to keep it like down, but there's like, there's yeah. the occasional person who like makes the mistake of posting it on social media or like going yeah. above and beyond, like making it ridiculous. And that's, that used to happen like once every few years, you'd have somebody like show up on the forums and like they'd be emailing me an hour later, be like, please take down the thread and I have to keep taking it down and keep getting reposted. Yeah. Um, so like, there's usually people, usually what'll happen is something goes viral because they think they're like cool or whatever and they post something and then it's really embarrassing. So yeah, yeah it's a warning to everybody out there. Just be careful. Have all your social medias turned to private, uh, your your profiles. And then just even, even with that, be careful what you share. Assume that your bosses are going to see it. Um, yeah. Well, that's the thing, right? You don't want to be flexing and have your boss kind of seeing that, right? Like they're paying you your salary. Or your client. I think yeah. it's like that, or even yeah. client, but it's always like that. At least I grew up in in a mindset being like, you know, especially in a work setting, you don't want to be showing up like you're going out and breaking, like making all this money, flooded with cash. And at the end of the day, yeah. when your boss is writing you your check, right? So it's, I think it's that mindset. Um, yeah, yeah. If I have to guess, I think probably on the junior level now, it's maybe a bit more common because of social, but um you know definitely have your fun just probably if you're going to splurge keep it to yourself i think the private life is probably better anyways private life is definitely better than the social life um nabil's a big one. spender what do you think nabil <laughs> i just stay away from the cameras that's what we always did so well, you're, yeah. in, you're in you know uae you got some good nightlife there oh yeah yeah, yeah. Well, I was Nathan, super expensive <laughs> 
it know. is yeah you well, know, well let's let's but. Let's, let's segue to the next topic here, and I think it's a perfect little segue on why, you know, you probably should try to save, a, you know, a decent amount of money um, from your yearly salary is, um, unfortunately, a, a recurring topic on this pod is layoffs, and, and we saw UBS layoff, or at least rumors of, of layoffs have been kind of creeping through the forums, so, um, you know, I don't know too much on, on it, but Nabil, you want to kind of give a little bit of context on at least what you've, you've heard on UBS, and then Pat, maybe provide some commentary on um, you know, in the landscape for just in general, for investment yep. banks with layoffs that are going to be coming on how it's going to shape, uh, you know, at least the next year or so. Yeah, I think UBS just took over Credit Suisse and now uh, at the AGM, they just announced and there's rumors internally that they would be laying off about 20 to 30 percent of the workforce. That's like somewhere between 25 to 36,000 people. Wow. Um, so, yeah, about a third of them probably are going to be laid off from Switzerland itself. And the rest, I'm guessing, is more international. So that's in the rumors, but we've already seen the, I mean, even in our forums, people are just uh, going on. People are scared. Like uh, Many of them have been laid off. Others are still scared. Are they going to keep the jobs or not? So it's it's an interesting was, time. It's, was it all front office focused when you mentioned that 25% or is that? No, no, no. Across the board. Oh, okay, they just took, the board, they just took over credit suites. I think they're going to go undergo yeah. like some kind of restructuring, just make sure... Uh, uh, first off, they're going to try to reduce costs. Uh, that was, yeah. It's all under the debate, right? Was that a good acquisition? Uh, that was the whole uh, agenda of that meeting. People are questioning. The, I mean, people are still questioning uh, whether that was a good deal or not a good deal. Uh, so they're going to definitely try to lower costs and save the business. There's a lot of risk there with that acquisition too. So it'll be yeah. interesting to see how that pans out uh, long term. But for now, like uh, everyone, yeah, everyone there is pretty much scared. That's what we're seeing. Yeah, well, so now, if you were an intern coming into that, for instance, like, you know, this summer is your your first year internship with UBS and there's a investment banking division, Pat, any recommendations there? So obviously, you know, maybe you're getting an email suggesting that that role is no longer available for the summer. Um, what's your best feedback or at least, um, you know, advice on how to kind of navigate that situation? Yeah, obviously, if you were at Credit Suisse, had an offer, obviously, you should be looking, um, be talking to people, even if you're at another bank. A smaller middle market regional bank that has a has a commercial arm. You should be talking with warming up your network if you have it, just in case. Um, yeah, I think I think just across the street, it's going to be a pretty tough summer for interns. Um, just in the sense of the, you know, when when banks went and offered internship seats, none of this had started. So remember, they're offering internship spots sophomore year for junior summer. So literally um, over a year ahead of time. Um, so when you're offering like the number of intern seats, when you're trying to judge like the number of intern seats you need or interns you want, and then deal flow dries up and suddenly like there's a financial crisis where banks are failing, um, you can you can imagine like, let's say you have a group of 100 interns coming in. Maybe you wish it was only 50 and you don't know what to do with the 100 interns. And then, you know, at the end of the summer, you're not going to be able to extend 100 offers or even 90 or 80, which would be typical. But it's probably going to look closer to 40 or 50. And even that you're probably like just doing it to, to keep some sort of, you know, keep some sort of rep. Um, yeah. We do have statistics on uh, intern offer rates in our company database. For those of you that are curious, if you have like two offers at bank uh, X and Y, you can always go to the uh, Wall Street Oasis industry reports. If you look at the industry reports, there's um, there's a aggregate or there's 
company review, there's a company review page. And on there, you can look at like percentage of interns receiving full-time offers across banks. So you can get a sense, like some banks are like historically 95%. So there you're probably pretty safe because they're still going to try to like keep that rep. But if you're at a bullet bracket or a middle market bank that was historically in like the 60 to 70% range, I can pretty much guarantee it's going to be sub 50% this year. Yeah. Um, so that's that's the other thing that's tough. I had, uh, when I ran the live um, the live stream, and I think yesterday, the day before, yeah, yesterday, um, people were asking like, um, you know, how do I get an internship? And they're like already juniors. And I'm like, it's, or how do I recruit full time for senior in my senior year? And I'm like, look, they, it's too late for banking almost, almost for sure. It's possible. I don't say anything's impossible, but it's going to be almost impossible if you don't have that junior summer, because the people coming out this year out of internship, there's going to be, you know, hundreds if not thousands of kids who have a top internship on their resume that just weren't yep. seat because there just wasn't enough. And all those people are going to be gunning for like the, you know, the 20 or 30 lateral seats that are open across, across the street. So it's going to be pretty, it's gonna be a bloodbath. Um, yeah. Really tough. Well, well, not, I, I'm hopeful this doesn't occur, but obviously UBS is a pretty big player. Um, in the overall like financial services industry. Do you think we see, or, you know, maybe some other firms kind of doing some layoffs as well. I thought I saw, don't quote me, but I thought I saw something with JP Morgan, maybe discussing potential layoffs, but um, you know, what, what do you guys think both in the beyond pad? Do we see this maybe happening in some other banks in the coming months, like some more contagion? I think we've already had some, we've already had some prior to this. And then I think, yeah, I think it gives cover. The more people that do it and the more things, the more it's easier for the execs to justify like, Cutting like five thousand, ten thousand, whatever it is to to um, save. Costs. Do you think we still see the same thing we saw last time, or in like the 08, 09 recovery, or you know when there was that big steep downturn that you know bonuses are still record high? Do we, we we still foresee maybe that coming for for like the senior execs at the firm? I'm just as I'm oh just yeah, I don't know. Um, like it's what I'm trying to get at is this depends on earnings from from 08, right, Pat? So I, I know we've had this conversation where you were in business school actually when the last big you know real financial crisis occurred. Um, do you see any similarities now in terms of just like the overall outlook? Maybe just like on an internal reflection. Like I know we had this convo. You're saying they're in business school. The whole world seems like it's crumbling. You're sitting there. Am I in the right spot right now in business school? You know, what does the next year look like? I feel like it's maybe some similarities this year where, you know, a new, an individual maybe with an internships looking was all stoked and now sees like, you know, financial services struggling uh, and are pulling back. You know, what was, how did you navigate that back then? Um, is it just oh, kind I, of like, I wasn't even a recruiting man. I was Wall Street Oasis all the way. I was like, I want to go move to Argentina for a year. And, and yeah, but, he, but still, I mean, if I was, if I was yeah, you scary. with WSO and I see the whole financial services industry collapsing, I'd even be worried just from. We had members on the site be like, oh, Wall Street Oasis is done. Like, da, da, da. I'm like, actually yeah. we have record highs traffic because everyone's trying to figure out what the hell is going on. Engagement, yeah. And we actually saw that a few weeks ago with SVB failing. Like we saw traffic just accelerating and spiking. So it's kind of like a counterintuitive thing. But when like financial services is struggling, people need more of an edge. And you get that edge, yeah. you get that insight from a community. So um, yeah, it's kind of counterintuitive. But like, yeah, for I, I know, I know my my uh you know, my classmates at, at Wharton were very kind of it was very a nerve-wracking time and people kind of just buckled down and 
you know, the expectations of where they were going to end up and where they ended up, I think there was kind of a little bit of a disconnect that everyone had to realize, like, well, we're lucky that the economy is even surviving. So I don't think it's going to be that severe of a downturn. I'm hopeful it's not. Um, I think we learned some lessons the last time, although, you know, we definitely could. It, it really just comes down to inflation as far as I'm concerned. Like, yeah. Well, I guess it's good to kind of see the job market then. I thought I saw some headlines today. I think the job market's a little bit softening um, with some more layoffs and even just mm-hmm. you know, these conversations in the financial services space now. So I do think to our point that we had last week with you guys saying, you know, you do want to see the labor market cool off. I think we're probably starting to see that um, slowly. Obviously, a lot of this macro information is um, question dated. Is, unemployment still, backwards. is unemployment still under 4%? That's the question. I don't know. Well, see, we won't know that. That's the thing, right? That's, I guess, the interesting with macro, right? Everything's always, it's always delayed, right? So technically speaking, right now, currently, it could be, right? We just won't know until whatever that might be two months from now, which is, I guess, the struggle with the Fed. Obviously, you're trying to make moves off of two-month, three-month-old data, um, which is obviously difficult, but... um, Yeah, let's hope that this theme of layoffs every every week uh, slowly starts cooling here, so we have some different topics to, to discuss, but... Let's pivot here to the last one. We'll keep this one short. Um, this this one was mainly uh, an interesting conversation in the forums around, uh, around just experience level. Um, it looks like it was the individual was talking about making the pivot from investment banking to the private equity realm. Um, any suggestions, guys, on how to kind of get that that real tangible experience that makes you stand out when recruiting private equity? Um, I know we had some preliminary conversations around industries do make a difference. Um, but now I guess from that from that point of view, if you are in a uh, difficult industry group that maybe doesn't have good deal flow um, or is maybe not a very universal or common deal group, um, what would be your suggestions on how to get that tangible experience to make that jump from investment banking to private equity? Yeah, I think, that was, yeah I think the OP was just really nervous because they're like, I don't have any deal experience. Is, is theor- theoretical knowledge enough to make it over? Um, and this is actually more of a problem because private equity is recruiting so early. So like if you're on cycle, you come right out of banking. Most people don't have banking uh, deal experience. So um, like you often as uh, as an applicant for private equity, if you're going on cycle, oftentimes you're talking about like your inter- your deals that you did on your inter- in your internship. That's why having the right internship matters so much and getting the right deal. So like it's... It, it's probably not the theoretical knowledge isn't just enough to get to private equity. I think that the competition is high enough. There's enough kids who are lucky enough to get on deals where they're going to sound better on average. And it's going to look better in terms of what they did that like, it's kind of a little bit, you know, there's a lot of luck involved in terms of like where you get staffed and stuff. So um, it sucks if you're dealing, if you haven't gotten any deals, I think if you can lateral internally, that's great, but like that's not an easy thing to do either. So it's like easy to say, oh yeah, go lateral to a deal team that's really busy. Um, one thing you could do is if you're like, it depends on the firm, but you could go to the staffer and be like, hey, you know, I'm doing a lot of pitches. Da, da, da. I was, you could just talk to him and be like, I was hoping to get on some live, uh, you know, live deals. Is there anything maybe across groups or across products that could help work on from teams that are that are struggling um, or that have, you know you know, maybe they need more help. And that way you can try to get at least one or two deals on your resume. I think once you got two or three, it's enough. Um, yeah. Two is like enough, but like, especially if you're, if you kind of have more time and you're actually going in depth on it. So like, are you doing the actual, are you running the model? Can you talk to the M&A process? Can you do, can you talk through that? Um, I think that'll, that'll show up well in interviews or for the buy side. Yeah. Makes sense. So when you mentioned lateral, 
um, is, is going to be difficult to a different deal team. I'm assuming that's obviously internal laterals, but any thoughts yeah. on doing like an external ladder, uh, lateral to maybe a separate deal team? You think that's probably going to be a little bit easier? I would assume so. A different firm, um, you mean? Just jumping yeah, companies? Yeah, to a different, to a different you, firm. You can, but then you're kind of – you, you can, but you're the, like every jump you make from company to company is a little bit like you're burning – capital like you're burning political capital because you're either stuck there you either can jump again after a, under a year or a year um but then you're kind of stuck at your next place so uh, now well, if the end goal you is go to like six months nine equity isn't that fine if the end goal is to get the private equity you're going to be leaving the firm yeah but what happens now at P, the pe fund is going under or it's not going well whatever and you have to go again good luck recruiting if you've gone six months a year six months, nine months, people are gonna be like, what the hell? You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's the that's the bigger thing is you're kind of you're starting to narrow your option value if you start hopping too much. Um like it just it just traps you a little bit more on if you make a mistake, you have to sit with the mistake for a couple of years, which is hard to stomach, man. If it's a toxic environment or the fund's really going under or like it sucks to have to, to be stuck in that environment. So um yeah, I don't know. I I think Ideally, you're staying internal. You're staying at the firm for at least a year and a half, eighteen to two, you know, two two years. Um, if you can get a job, you know, right a year out. There's a lot of kids leaving banking after a year, but they're going to a fund that's well known or whatever. And so that's fine. To me, that's fine because you know you're going to be at the PE fund probably for at least a couple of years. Um, yeah. So depends. I don't know if you guys agree. Yeah, no, I agree on the idea of being like, you need to get that deal experience. Like the question being like, is the theoretical knowledge enough? I don't think it is because rather than like the theoretical knowledge, anyone could, you know, brush up on that or, or study that to become, um, you know, good on, on those specific topics. But I think what a firm would be looking for is how you, with the deal process or sorry, with the deal exposure um, in general is like how you manage the nuances of, of each deal. I think we've seen that from our own conversations that we have with firms that, you know, every deal is going to have its own nuances. So there's nothing that's going to be like a cookie cutter. So from like a knowledge perspective, there's nothing that's going to be applicable to everything. I think having that deal experience showcases how you overcome, whether it's, you know, specific nuances or um, ways, you know, how you got in a client from A to B through that deal experience. I think yeah, it's like way more important than it, the theoretical knowledge that you could study. I mean, anyone can take our private equity interview course and you can go through private <laughs> equity cases and know what actually like makes a good deal and talk to it and become better at that process. But if you don't have the transaction experience in your resume, then it's gonna be like, well, when have you done this? <laughs> it's yeah. like, okay, here, like, so when have you actually put this to, in process? Or just because transactions are never as cookie cutter as they seem, right? I think anyone's yeah. gonna see that. And you can apply yeah. that to anything in life. Nothing's gonna be as yeah. simple as it seems. So it's how do you deal in that um, or how do you operate yeah. in that actual environment, I think is the more important piece. Rather than knowing what an NBA is, fun football, you could all know that, but if you don't know one, how to push it forward two, you know, if yeah. some, there needs to be some sort of customization or whatever you want to call it, the deal experience that I think is where it's for a triumph. So yeah, I think, you can get yeah, like 80% he, there in terms of knowledge, 80, 90% there, but in terms of like being the most competitive candidate, unfortunately, there's a lot of luck involved and you need that deal. You need those deals. Yeah. Or even just how you, again, work within the team in itself right like when you're compiling yeah. a team, unless you're um, on on cycle recruiting then then the expectations are low because it's like hey we know you just got out of training but then even then like okay what did you do at your internship <laughs> like what was that deal yeah, like? yeah. and you see yeah. kids they know how to put it in the like our free template the experience interns will put their uh their internship <laughs> first and they'll have like transaction experience as an intern 
because they yeah. know that's what PE wants to see. Um, and so they, they know how to put in that, that specific template. So, yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. All right. Well, I, uh, I think we'll call it on this conversation guys. Great. Uh, great three topics this week and we'll look forward to connecting uh, next Thursday. Thanks guys. Talk soon. And thanks to you, my listeners at wall street Oasis. If you have any suggestions whatsoever, please don't hesitate to send them my way, patrick at wallstreetoasis.com. Until next time. Thank you.